and welcome to What a Scream, the podcast where I, your host, Ogolly Miss Dolly, chats about horror movies with uh, my special guest of the week, and in particular horror films that we feel perfectly encompass and embody a particular subject or theme that I have previously randomly picked out. Um, I... I'm really enjoying doing this podcast so far. It has been somewhat of therapy for me going through the horror that has been this pandemic. Um, It's definitely helped no end. And I hope that you've all found something that is helping you cope with this shit awful time. Um, It's so hard mentally, you know, the the pandemic exhaustion is real. Um, So this week the theme that I picked out was uh, one of my favorite subgenres of horror right behind uh, occultism and possession the haunted house now the haunted house is one of those subgenres of horror that has never gone away it has never been out of fashion the way that slashers have or that possession films have it has been a continuous uh popular subgenre in horror um we can see it right back from when we had the kind of hammy ghost ride trains of haunted horror movies that were the haunting and house on haunted hill um, and 13 ghosts the original and then we were brought right up to the 70s and the 80s with films like the amateurville horror house and poltergeist um that were a bit more visceral a bit more evil and really really played up the dramatics much more than the kind of hammy spook show dramatics of the 40s and the 50s um so we saw things like bleeding walls and possessed toys like the clown in the poltergeist and you know houses built on native burial grounds um so it really upped the the spook factor and then we saw kind of a bit of a classic movie revival in the late 90s early 2000s when the haunting house on haunted hill and 13 ghosts were all remade now the haunting remake and the house on haunted hill remake is a bit like meh you know they're pure 90s early 2000s cgi fests but 13 Ghosts, I believe, is better than the original. I adore the remake of 13 Ghosts. I love the lore behind all of the ghosts. There was an extra feature on the DVD that I'm sure you can find on YouTube where they went through the whole backstory of every single ghost. And the ghosts are just so creepy. So cre- like I know they were like the late 90s, early 2000s, twitchy kind of ghosts, but... I adore them. I love them. Um, and then obviously we got um, films like Juon, which is obviously uh, the original Japanese uh, grudge movie. And it took Japanese culture and it made something very horrific out of it. I mean, obviously we got the remake as well. You kind of discard the remake, uh, the originals, uh, especially when it comes to uh, Japanese horror. The originals are always far better they far outshine the unnecessary american remakes and then in uh more modern years or more recent years we got obviously the james one universe uh the conjuring the first conjuring was set in the house haunted 
by Bathsheba the Witch, and the second one was based on the Enfield Poltergeist case, which was a real case in Britain. Now, as well as that, we had Paranormal Activity, which took the haunted house genre and kind of gave it a spin with found footage, which was fantastic. Find me anyone that wasn't spooked out when they first saw that film. It was terrifying. So I feel like the reason The Haunted House has never gone out of style is because it preys on one of our most basic fears, which is our safe spaces, such as our houses, our dwellings, our shelters, being haunted and terrorized by a force that we can't see, that we can't explain, and how the hell are we going to fight it when it's literally a spirit? Um, And I think that's really terrifying for people that, you know, what if you did have this house and there was something haunting and weird things were happening and children were being uh, victimized as they do quite often in these uh, haunted house films um it's terrifying and we've all been in a place we've all been in a house where we get chills and you know we hear creaks in the middle of the night and it, it just makes you jump out of your skin we've all had those experiences and i feel that that's why the haunted house subgenre of horror never go out of fashion um because We've all got houses. We will continue to have houses, hopefully, in the future. Um, so this week, my special guest is pinup uh, model, vintage enthusiast. Uh, she is a cabaret singer, a burlesque performer, and a fellow podcaster. It is Ruby Noir, um, and we chat about two. Uh, haunted house films that we are both big fans of. Um, so that is House on a Haunted Hill, the original starring Vincent Price, and then James Wan's The Conjuring, the first film. Um, and so here it is, our little chat. So I would like to welcome to What a Scream, Miss Ruby Noir. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Uh, Delighted I'm- to be here. I'm, I'm still here. I have my Jack Daniels and Coke. I'm all good. Excellent. I have my giant glass of red wine. It's significantly less giant than since we got the call. <laughs> I mean, it's a Friday night, you know, it's. It is. It's Friday night. We're happy. This is as close to a party as we're going to get at the yeah. moment. <laughs> I, I actually have to say I was looking forward to this. Not that I don't usually look forward to my Zoom calls because, you know, it's nice to talk to anyone that isn't a three year old. Yeah. But I was really <laughs> looking forward to this tonight because I was like, I get to have a drink with Ruby. <laughs> It's almost like we're in a bar together or something. Get to have a kiki, get to have a bitch and a moan yeah. about things that we would have yes. bitched and moaned about two years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, just for anyone that doesn't know? Sure. Um, I think if anyone is listening who does know me, they probably know me best as a cabaret performer. So I host and I sing and occasionally I do a bit of burlesque. Um, I'm part of the queer cabaret troupe Undercurrent. Um, we do Seriously Camp Cabaret on the regular in (laughs) not apocalypse times. Um, (laughs) I'm also uh, one of the co-hosts of the Giving Me Life podcast. So uh, excuse me, I do that with uh, my undercurrent fam, uh, Dilemma, Lady K and Like an Animal. And we talk about just more general pop culture. Sometimes horror comes into it, uh, sometimes not. Um, And then uh, what else do I do? Is that it? I was. Uh, I'm also a pinup, as as yourself. Yes, and just <laughs> was, as an FYI for people, 
we are not the same person. We're not the same person. No, people often think that we are each other's doppelgangers. We've both been mistaken for each other at various different locations. By people that know us quite well, which is really confusing to me. Very strange. There was also, I I, I told you about this before, but just as a fun anecdote, I was stopped in bar by a guy who I did not know. And he was like, oh my God, golly, Mastali. And I was like, no. (laughs) And he refused to believe me. He was like, you're joking with me. You're fucking with me. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm really not her. (laughs) We're different people. I'm like a foot and a half taller, A number one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Ruby has red hair. I have black hair. Um, Ruby was the Miss Pinup Ireland 2018. 2017, 2018, and you yeah. were 2018, 2019. Yeah. yeah. And you were a runner up for Miss Pinup International that same year as well. Yes. And you won Miss Pinup International. Did, yeah. <laughs> um, there's, a, you know, we have been in the few, like, same competitions sometimes. We have, you yes. have been congratulated on my <laughs> achievements. I've been congratulated on your achievements. <laughs> that's my favorite is when we get congratulated for each other's stuff and I'm just like at this point I'm just like thank you so much <laughs> thanks gorge um <laughs> no I mean we've, we've held we've held some of the same titles and yeah. we also like we're both singers um mm-hmm. we we do look kind of similar I think if you color yeah. swapped us yeah um, definitely I think if yeah if you I, I still think Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or you dyed your hair red. Mm. I still think that we should do like a conjoined twin act. I think that would be Absolutely. amazing. And people would be like, wow, they aren't <laughs> the same person. I know. <laughs> or I'm pretty we... sure that we could swap each other out in our acts and people would not know. This is also something that I would really like to do. Mm. Like if we were doing a bonbon or something and we just constantly, we asked whoever was hosting to just introduce each other as each other's names. I yeah. think people would just get really confused for a few minutes yeah. and I go, yeah probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just to reiterate that we are very separate people we are very separate people um I was uh, I was thinking just like in regards to like intros and stuff when I was thinking about coming on earlier in the week and I was like I'm kind of just a hobbyist you know I don't really know much but then I remembered that I actually studied film theory at third <laughs> level and I have a qualification in film production <laughs> I was like sitting at home, like talk about imposter syndrome. I was like, I'm such an amateur. Yeah. Well, it's like I have uh, my degree is in music technology, music production. So when I go to live shows and live stages, and you know, people are like, ah, the PA isn't working. I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea how to fix that. I couldn't possibly. I'll, I'll just uh, hide this degree in my back pocket. <laughs> it is of no use to you. <laughs> I know, but at least you know, I literally forgot that I had studied this shit. I was like, I'm, I'm a complete amateur. I have no qualifications to be on this podcast. <laughs> well, you do. You did a really good uh, number for Mix Horror um, the year. I loved that. Oh, the, yeah, that from um, the Evil Dead, the musical. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all the men in my life keep getting killed by Kandarian yeah. demons, which, yes, I'm quite <laughs> fond of that. And I have done another Gordesque uh number as well the dismemberment song I don't yeah. know if you ever saw that yeah one. I did yeah I saw that which was fun I really like to bring that one back I accidentally scandalized someone I was on a sewing Facebook page it was all yeah. very, like quilting and you know floral patterns we were sharing Instagrams but it was yeah. around Halloween of last year and I'd okay. reshared that photo and someone was like I wasn't expecting that because it was just like tits out blood yeah. everywhere yeah <laughs> it's like when I'm doing like the school drop off or I'm hanging out with other mums and they're like hey are you on Instagram and I'm like uh sort of <laughs> <laughs> it's like all these like really pure kind of yummy mommies going on and seeing me again with like 
tits and arse out and blood everywhere <laughs> and they're like <sighs> yeah as I always say to people in work as well um they're like are you on Instagram I'm like yes they're like what's your handle I'm like no because <laughs> it really changes your relationship you know a lot of people I work with know what I do outside of work yeah but you know if were they to actually see it in action I think they would yeah. think of me differently it's just yeah. a hypothetical for them and that's fine <laughs> I mean I've had a lot of my friends parents follow me on Instagram and then unfollow me <laughs> oh my yes because they suddenly get uncomfortable like oh no. yeah just a little bit all those know. sexy photos yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what is your relationship like with horror? Are you a big fan and how did it start? I am a big fan. Um, and how it started is actually kind of, it's probably not that unusual, but it's not something I've heard a lot of other people talk about. When I was very young, I was a scaredy, I'm still a massive scaredy cat. Yeah. I really enjoy being scared, Same, which yeah. other horror fans don't really seem to get sometimes. Cause you're like, oh, that movie really scared me. No, I, like, I, I really enjoy scared. being scared. I really <laughs> yeah. like that feeling of watching a film and having to watch it like this. Exactly. Yeah. I'll do this thing. Remember cinemas? Um, <laughs> remember that. <laughs> remember remember actual cinemas. I'll do this thing in the cinema because I want people to see me like yeah. covering my eyes. <laughs> so I'll just like, I'll, I'll, I won't move my head, but I'll just stare at the ceiling so you can kind of half see what's happening. <laughs> I, I do the same. I look at the corner of the screen though. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm, so I, kinda... I still look like I'm watching it, but I'm like, all I can see is this little black corner. <laughs> exactly but yeah when I was really young I, I my cousin I remember being like four years old and I got really scared by something and my cousin ripping the shite out of me and I was like I'm gonna show them I'm gonna be the yeah. scariest spookiest bitch on the block <laughs> and I started getting into um horror like I was obviously real proper horror a little bit later kind of in my teens and stuff a lot of staying up late and watching Mark Kermode on Channel 4 at like 2 a.m. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> introduce things that I should not have been watching yeah. at that age. <laughs> um, and then, the, yeah, when I got into college as well, and like I really always loved, uh, as a kid, I always loved ghost stories as well, like like books and literature yeah. and like M.R. James and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it all just kind of came together with really, lo- and I, I tried to go to Harathon every year. Yeah. I'll try and get to see at least a few things. Back when I was in college, I used to get like the weekend ticket. My eyes yeah. would be bleeding by the end of it. <laughs> Back in the days when I had disposable income and the ability yeah. to sit in one cinema for three days. <laughs> and also not, not to catch, you know, a respiratory virus. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I, like, yeah, and the more I studied horror, the more I got into different bits of it. Like the older, I, I liked kind of really gory stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like, you know, growing up in the 90s and it was like slasher horrors and and more like very CGI heavy stuff. And then when I got into college, I kind of got a lot into horror history and that very early kind of like 40s and 50s hammer mm-hmm. horror and the old RKO pictures like cat people and stuff like that. I loved how I loved horror on a budget like yeah. 40s and 50s higher on a budget which we will already which we will discuss yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I always found fascinating because I thought like the, the creativity to to get scares out of people always uh, really made me smile so yeah that's yeah. kind of where I, I kind of come at it I really like a a broad spectrum of horror but um yeah I've yeah I've kind of been obsessed with kind of spooky things ever since yeah. I was, people don't think that because I, I wear a lot of colors yeah but I'm a goth at heart <laughs> yeah inside that black soul of yours yeah I'm not wearing any colored um on screen at least I've got very bright Freddy Krueger earrings on yeah. you can't really see them under my cute, yeah. <laughs> yeah I wore a, a little ghost birch yes from 
does The Art Shop.ie, just to hark back to our theme, which I'll introduce in a bit. Um, but do you remember the first horror film you ever saw? Nightmare Before Christmas count as a kid's horror <laughs> I don't or how know. about That's a like we had a discussion a couple of weeks ago about things that should be a horror film that perhaps are, you know, from yeah a child's and I kind of film. And obviously there's like the witches, um, <laughs> mm. Watership Down <laughs> is definitely one of them. Um, I kind of would, because it is like, I've like, Nate, my son has watched it a few times and looking at it, I'm like, oh my God, it is a little bit scary. I have a very distinct memory of watching uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas when I was youngish and my mum walking into the room and it was the bit when the doctor who makes Ali, he has his Yeah. skull flipped open and he was Yeah. scratching <laughs> his brain. And my mum was like, what the hell are you watching? And then just walked out again. <laughs> yeah i think my earliest kind of foray into horror would have been like well horror it would have been tim burton so it would have been beetlejuice and edward scissorhands um was my earliest memory of spookiness um so yeah i'd count nightmare before christmas it has some horror elements to it good I'm glad because that's yeah yeah I mean I think probably like proper horror I mean 90s so it was probably something like Scream okay or I think I I remember quite a uh, an early teen birthday party where we all watched you know I know what you did last summer Yeah. that kind of stuff that was definitely Yeah. um the gateway movies The gateway um drug. the gateway drug yeah and then I I, I distinctly remember watching <laughs> a lot of like um Korean and Japanese horror late night on Channel 4 yeah. as I said uh when I was kind of in my mid-teens um and then a few and then as well because I, there was a series that Mark Kamau did I remember it, it was all the video nasties Mm -hmm. just like Cannibal Holocaust and Straw Yeah. Dogs and you know a really wide array of awfulness Yeah. that I should not have been watching Yeah, I think Channel 4 was a lot of people's kind of adventure into um, <laughs> it really films was that they should not have been watching. I remember that was the first time that I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre was late night Channel 4. Yeah, good old Tobe. Yeah. <laughs> um, Traumatising so us all. I know. Um, and it's mad to think that he also did like Poltergeist as well, because it's so like family friendly horror. <laughs> I know. And I was reminded today of a movie that he did that is, is slightly lesser known called The Toolbox Massacre, Oh yes, which I've I seen saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at Horathon a million Yeah. years ago. And I just remember laughing so hard. I had Yeah. such a good time at it. <laughs> um so the theme this week is uh one of my favorite subgenres of horror and it's probably my second favorite like right next to possession. Pe Possession's like my favorite. But our theme this week is haunted houses. So how do you feel about haunted house horror? I love Haunted House Horror. This is like my, this is my one of my absolute favourites, I have to say, because this is like I was saying, it's kind of how I really, like when I was much younger, before I was able to watch any horror, I would read ghost stories. Um, and I was always fascinated by them. And I'm like, you know, I grew up in uh, North County, Dublin, Malahide Castle had some great, um, like ghost stories attached to it. And I would like, you know, be very into all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I love a good haunted house story. And I think there's not enough of them these days. I get very annoyed. Yeah. 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 It's like obviously <laughs> horror comes in waves. it, And, yes. you know, we're going to be chatting about a film from the the golden era of Haunted House, if you like. Mm hmm But really, it's more, I'm trying to think of what the, the fashion is at the moment, because obviously we had like slasher and then there was the, the reoccurrence of slasher in the 90s. Um, and then we had torch porn, obviously, with Saw and uh, Hostel, which, yeah, I'm not a big fan of. Um, 
But I'm trying to think what's the fashion at the moment. It just seems to be. It's very. Um, <laughs> well, horror, horror is very legit at the moment because you have yeah. like Jordan Peele and Ari Aster doing like legitimately highbrow. great films. Yeah. But it's it's a bit more highbrow at the moment. Um, though I, I'm also enjoying like an element of schlock kind of coming back in. Yeah. Um, because there was uh, what was the one that I last one of the last ones I saw. I saw Annabelle too in the cinema. That was yeah. awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or uh, no, Ready or Not. Um, okay. Which yeah. is yeah, which you know is just sort of like you know running around a big spooky house. It wasn't yes. ghosts, but yeah. you know that kind of slightly schlocky, slightly campy, yeah. but yeah, I think there's there's kind of two sides to it at the moment. There's sort of that very fun schlocky like jump scare kind of thing and then you've got your your higher brow sort of stuff which is you know maybe one of them will get an oscar nomination one of these days yeah (laughs) you know it's it's getting to that point where you're gonna like horror got an oscar nomination yeah oh my gosh heaven (laughs) prevent um so the the film that you chose this week would you like to introduce it to us and give us a brief synopsis? Yes, I would. So the film that I chose is House on Haunted Hill, uh, the original 1959 version, not the 1999 <laughs> remake, <laughs> uh, which was directed by William Castle and stars, where is my cast list? Dun, dun, dun. There it is, sorry. Uh, it stars uh, Vincent Price as Frederick Lauren, Carol Omart, uh, Richard Long, Alan Marshall, Carolyn Craig, uh, Leash Cook, uh, Julie Mitchum and Leona Anderson as the rest of the cast. Yeah. Um, the Scooby Gang. <clears throat> the Scooby Gang, indeed. <laughs> um, so, a brief synopsis, really. So, uh, Frederick Lauren is an eccentric Playboy billionaire, mm-hmm. as played by Vincent Price. You don't associate Vincent Price with Playboys, but there you go. <laughs> um, and Carol Omar plays his wife, his fourth wife, Annabelle. And mm-hmm. for her birthday, they have decided to uh, gather these five strangers together in this house and he will give them each $10,000, which was a lot in 1959 if they yes. stay the night. <laughs> so, <laughs> As you do for your birthday, typical birthday celebration. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the other characters, Elijah Cook, is actually the owner of the house, so it's being rented. And he introduces the film by saying his brother was killed there. Yeah. And there are, I think, seven ghosts in the house mm. at the moment and they're gonna come for you. It's all very, <laughs> it's very cheesy. Um, and so as the night goes on, there are sightings of ghosts, perhaps not. There's clearly a lot of shenanigans going on. For instance, uh, Frederick gives them all a means to protect themselves, a gun, but it's presented to each of them in, an, in their own tiny coffin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does love the drama of it all, doesn't he? Does he does love the yeah. drama. Um, and I know you said that we could we could uh, do spoilers, and, and I think we will as the conversation goes on, but I just yeah. want to give people a chance to, to clock out because while some of the twists are... And I cannot stress this enough, intensely stupid, (laughs) very stupid. They are legit twists. So if you haven't seen it and you don't know what's going on, it is worth kind of going into it unspoiled. Yeah. But um, yeah, as the night goes on, it's also revealed that almost every character has an ulterior motive. You're not really ever sure of what anyone's motivations are until the very, very end. The special effects are hilarious <laughs> they are like school play kind of great you know <laughs> they are but uh, one of my favorite things about this and some other William Castle so William Castle was known for his gimmicks mm. in when he would release uh, uh release films so I'm trying to find the name of it where is it um and there's so a Imergo Imergo that's Imergo right gimmick, that's what it was yeah. called so in 
theatres in cinemas when a skeleton appeared on screen. It's a very specific scene. Um, a skeleton on a string would be like flown across <laughs> over the heads of the audience. I wish they still did things like that. Like, I fuck know. all this 4D shit. Like, I want some skeletons flying at me. <laughs> he had, I was just reading some other stuff about other films that he did. He had some mad shit that he would, he would do for people. And, he, and some of it was really clever as well. Like, I think it was in 13 Ghosts where um, he gave, it was like half 3D glasses, so it was just yeah. the red film. And so if they looked through the red film, the ghost would disappear oh, on so on screen. And it was like such a stupid, but like cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a fairground ride, isn't it? You know, like it, a like, ghost train kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he was legendary for like absolutely pumping out B-movies, yeah. like which very wildly in quality. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he also produced Rosemary's Baby, so... Yeah, the man had a modicum yeah. of taste. Yes. Um, the thing I love about William Carson, especially this house, in, uh, this film in particular, is that it actually influenced Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Yeah, and yeah. you can really see a lot of its influences. I was actually, the, uh, why I was thinking about Ready or Not earlier, because while it's a very different setup, it is still essentially this sort of like closed house, yeah. uh, you know, tight ensemble yeah. horror thriller whatever it is of people running around scaring each other and chasing yeah. each other um it is and it actually it is good it is. it's a good I was re- I was yeah. really concerned because it had been a few years since I'd seen it mm-hmm. so I was like oh god am I gonna watch this and be like oh yeah. I'm gonna be that person yeah. he's like this is a terrible movie but I love it no yeah. I think it's I think it really does stand up yeah I actually watched it only a couple of months ago because um there's another podcast evolution of horror check out it's it goes through the history of the horror film and it does it week by week and it has like subgenres so they had a ghost subgenre and they covered uh house on haunted hill and so i watched it then because i like to you know watch along hmm. and and then i re-watched it again a couple of days ago and it's still great i still love it and i'm sure i will re-watch it again in a couple of months like it's yeah. just it's great it's it's really fun. It's got some amazing performances. It's also some awful performances, but kind of almost yeah. on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like Vincent Price is really great in it. And I have to say, is what I'd forgotten that some elements of it were really genuinely creepy. Yes. Like, you know, a lot of it is very schlocky and there is legitimately a skeleton on a rope. Like yes. just my my favorite bit is, uh, and I said this to you actually <laughs> the other day when I was rewatching. I was texting you at the same time. Um, there is a bit where the housemaid pops up behind and gives a bit of a jump scare, <laughs> and it's literally this old woman, hands like claws, kind of oh, so gurning, and then she rolls away like she's on a like a, a roller skates or something. <laughs> she's <laughs> someone's pulling her on a pulley, on like a wheel probably system. literally yeah. what it was. <laughs> she oh. just glides away <laughs> and I was re-watching it the day after you sent that to me so like I could and I knew when it was coming so I was like old lady on roller skates <laughs> that has to be and every single time I see it I just burst out laughing it's just one of my favorite bits of all film like it's, yeah that, that film and then all film ever that is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes I love it it's just oh it's just brilliant I just love it. It is, it is perfect. And like yeah. God lover, um, Carolyn Craig, who plays Nora, um, <laughs> her screams are something else. And boy, does Lance, she scream. Lance, <laughs> she screams a lot. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the genuinely creepy elements of it, which obviously are not all ladies on roller skates and skeletons <laughs> on strings, 
Um, it's actually all the gaslighting elements. Yes. But there's a bit at the very, very beginning. So you've got um, two talking heads. So mm. it's uh, Vincent Price and then um, Elijah Cook as uh, Watson Pritchard talking about yeah. how the house is haunted, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then Vincent Price does this uh, voiceover as he introduces the different people who yeah. he's invited to the house. And he's talking about Nora at the very end. And she's mm. just a, from the typist pool. And he just goes, She's pretty, isn't she? And <laughs> after January, I'm just like, oh, bad things are going to happen to that person. <laughs> like, it's yeah. awful. And then, yeah, and like, you know, there are elements of, uh, you know, domestic violence and yeah. yeah, like, and everyone's gaslighting everyone. It's the Gaslighters movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's, it's kind of strange because obviously from the get go, it breaks the fourth wall and it addresses the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as like, we're kind of, immersing ourselves and we are part of this party and I think that's what makes it so good is that you literally feel as if you are in the room with them and you're experiencing kind of you know you're experiencing this gaslighting almost yeah you are the sixth guest because you're I I suppose Nora is essentially your point of view character and it does switch from time to time but when she sees something that she thinks is a ghost excuse me when she sees something <clears throat> she thinks she is a ghost, she, you, you're not questioning it from the point of view of the audience. Like yeah. stuff gets revealed after the fact and that's fine. But um, like it's never shot as if it's fake. Yeah. With the exception of the skeleton on the string. Because you yeah. can literally <laughs> see the hole in its head. And I, you know what I also love? I love that um, it's almost as if they have to explain uh, how they do things so the whole thing is you know um his wife is you know she she's kind of suspicious that all his previous wives have died and you mm. know she wants to run off is it it's with the doctor isn't it she's having a bit yes. of a tryst with the doctor yeah the and psychiatrist she, who's like everyone's hysterical yeah <laughs> and she uh pretends to to be hung and when he comes to her chamber and she's lying there as if she's dead and then she sits up and she's like help me out of my hanging harness (laughs) (laughs) i know and then the ghost that seen quite early on the housemaid is you quite rightly but you know she shows up and there everyone's like she's blind of course she'd be wandering around in the dark (laughs) doesn't explain how she moves like she's on wheels but i just love that they have to explain everything (laughs) rather than you know leaving it up to our imaginations William Castle's like no we have to explain absolutely everything well I mean that's kind of the gag of the film isn't it it's Mm -hmm. because like it's played sort of like you know at at the beginning and the end uh Pritchard uh that character is like but also ghosts maybe um (laughs) but the gag of it is it's like are ghosts real no not really and like that idea that is introduced quite early on of like mass hysteria and that you can really convince yourself that you've seen something if you're scared enough yeah you know that all kind of plays into it so it does make sense that they explain however (laughs) ham-fistedly how they've done some of these things um, so let's talk about the house. Yes. Um, it's a bit of a strange one because obviously if we look at the, the movie posters, mm-hmm. it's that typical kind of haunted house look from the outside. But then when you go to watch the film, it's a completely different house. <laughs> completely. Like it's not even of the same era. <laughs> oh God. And like every room is from a different fucking house. Like that basement is out of young Frankenstein. Yeah. The bedrooms are out of some like Baroque period. Dra- yeah. I don't know where the fuck this is. <laughs> 
So the outside shots of the house in the film is um, it is like an Aztec style mansion. Yeah, it's like one of these LA kind of um, yeah. kind of early to mid century kind of builds, yeah. like you know twenties, thirties, I'd say. Yeah. It's a, a 1924 Frank Lloyd Wright house. Oh. Yes, I looked that up. Um, and it doesn't look like the typical haunted house at all. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. On the inside, it does a bit oh, more. Yeah, the sets on the inside. are yeah. Yeah. Sets are completely unconnected to it. exterior. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit confusing and kind of, it almost kind of mirrors the fact that this isn't exactly a haunted house film because there is no ghosts. Or, or are there? Or are they? <laughs> are they coming? Are they coming for you next? <laughs> oh, this uh, yeah, it's it's a camp joy, as I texted yes. you. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. I the the budget saving on the disconnection between, like, I'm sure if they shot in there, it probably would have cost them an absolute fortune. Yes. Um, yeah, no, the house itself is, it's weird. The, and even the way that it's laid out, like the bedrooms are, as I say, they're very like kind of 18th century yeah. period almost. And then you've got this weird like French countryside wine cellar with a vat of acid in it. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I from a production and design point of view, <laughs> it probably could be improved. <laughs> I um, love the costumes though. Oh my gosh. The, love the, the costumes. Her <gasps> costumes are just she's got that trouser kind of suit on. It's like a trouser with like a bustier and then just like a, a jacket on over it. And yeah, like, there's like long for that. Coat thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then her um her like big foofy like peg peignoir negligee thing that she wears over her hanging harness. <laughs> it's like, ah, that's why it's so blousy. Yeah. <laughs> I know I but I loved I loved the costuming on this film like absolutely adored it and that's probably why I rewatch it so much (laughs) have you seen did you watch the colorized version or are you like a black and white purist I didn't I'm a black and white kind of purist I feel that sometimes um it loses things when it goes into coloring but you know you see all those pictures that circulate social media about the Adams family house in color yeah it's actually all pink so that got when I was watching this film I was like I wonder what color that all is (laughs) I did I skipped through it in color again for the costumes because um I as a little like 2021 project for myself I want to start trying to sew and recreate costumes that Mm -hmm. I really love from films and both of those costumes that we've mentioned are ones that I want to try so I was like I need to figure out exactly what colors they are yeah okay well hit me up if you yeah. <laughs> I'd be like ordering from you. We finally do our twinsies thing. Yeah. Really confuse the fuck out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we've mentioned, it's not really a haunted house. It's more of like a a psychology phenomena. Um yes. but also the way I kind of saw it was, you know, we hear a lot about, especially in like Japanese folklore, that haunted houses are really emotions that have imprinted on houses that it's not your ghost in you know white sheets or whatever it's actually just emotion that's stayed there from bad happenings Mm. and maybe this is what makes the house haunted because as it said you know it's this house is inherently evil from you know the get-go apparently yeah I was like maybe that's you know yeah, and I think you find that with a lot, like the idea that the house is haunted, but not really, is not one that is unusual to this film. I mean, I was thinking about kind of other 
you know, another famous uh, film that was remade awfully in 1999, The Haunting, yeah. um, which is kind of the same thing. And it's like in the, the 1999 remake, it's, it is more explicitly like, yes, yeah. ghosts. But, you know, the Shirley Jackson novel and then yeah. the <clears throat> the original movie are much more ambiguous about that. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it in someone's head? You know, is it someone manipulating that person? Like there's lots yeah. of kind of different ways to take it. And then, as you say, with kind of Japanese and... um. Uh, kind of wider Asian horror as well mm. um, yeah the idea that these are are emotions that have been left imprinted I think we talked about um, when we were texting we talked about uh, Tale of Two Sisters yeah which was one I was considering because that mm. movie scared the ever-loving shit out of me <laughs> when I was younger yeah I was I, again channel four all channels fourfold yeah. but like instead of watching it through my fingers I literally had to change the channel I would like change oh, the channel for a second yeah. and then I would go back to <laughs> I actually covered A Tale of Two Sisters in um, a Korean horror episode. I look forward to it. So, yeah, I I adored A Tale of Two Sisters because it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't there. It wasn't, it's just ghosts. It was, again, psychology. Um, But, yeah, so let's let's talk about the remake. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I just think we cannot gloss over it. Oh. No, I tried to rewatch it and yeah. I actually couldn't get all the way through it. My <laughs> my tolerance level for 1990s remakes of excellent films has just plummeted. Yeah. Apparently. I, mean, I, I did watch this when it came out and I remember not hating it. And I okay. am very fond of its sister film, which is also a William Castle remake by uh, Dark Castle Entertainment, 14 Ghosts. <laughs> it's, I... a bad, it's a bad film, but I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the remake of 13 Ghosts. Like, yeah. I Did I say 14? It. Yeah, you said 14. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> I really loved the remake of 13 Ghosts because I just loved all the the lore behind each ghost. I really, really liked that. Um, but yeah, the, the remake of House on Haunted Hill, um, I mean, it's CGI heavy. It is very cgi it has that and you know what really bothers me about it it's the opening scene really bothers me (sighs) oh yeah so they uh for for anyone who maybe hasn't seen it they they make the house a legitimate old insane asylum where people were horribly murdered and died in a fire and stuff yeah um so you know major spoilers but in this version yes ghosts yeah very much ghosts (laughs) (laughs) and to be honest, after that, I can't really remember much else apart from Jeffrey Rush just doing his best Vincent Price impression. Yeah, um, I know. And I, I do like the fact that his character's second name is Price. In yes. It. Like, I, I think that's a lovely touch. And it's, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It took all the the charm out of it. Like half mm. the charm of the original is the camp aspect of yeah. it combined with those slightly creepy things yeah like you know you'll go from a very silly scene with a granny on roller skates to <laughs> vincent price yeah. being very menacing towards his wife oh gotcha yeah. even though she's spoilers she's the one yeah. who tries to murder him in the end and not vice versa whereas with this it's just sort of like terrible things happened here and you know you're going to see how, like you know yeah be prepared for some spooky insane like you know mental patients basically yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I try, I try to think of a more PC way to say that, and it just wouldn't come to me. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, this is my own fault for watching even half of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's 
I just, it, it's just pure of its time. You know, there's yeah. no other way of describing it. It's just of its time. Obviously, it came out the exact same year as the Haunting remake, mm-hmm. which I have not seen. Have you not? I've not seen them. No, no. I watched, I, I watched the Haunting last night for the first time. I haven't ever seen even oh, the original yeah. Haunting. So I watched that for the first time last night. And I have to say, I dipped out. I zoned out at one point. Mm. I wouldn't be able to tell you what the hell was happening apart from just uh, <laughs> Nell and Theo and their obvious, very strong lesbian undertones. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, no that, like that. that carries on in the remake with Lily Taylor and Catherine Lee Jones. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I should watch it. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a bit more of a, an affection for that remake. Like, I, I, again, you know, much like with 13 Ghosts, yeah. not a good movie. It was a good movie. <laughs> but it... Um, I did like it more. Um, I think like we're going to be talking about another Lily Taylor vehicle, yes, <laughs> um, in a little while, and I, I I think that that was what she wanted the haunting to be, probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they're weird. Uh, they're weird creatures. Uh, very strange creatures. Like <laughs> Shirley Jackson's novel is such like a proto-feminist text, and I don't mm-hmm. think any version of it has yet to get to that bit of it. Yeah. What did you think of um, the TV, the Netflix TV version? I loved it. I hated the ending. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to remember the ending. That's how good it was. (laughs) Yeah. Locked it all out. The dad and one of the brothers get locked in a room or something. Yeah, they stay with the house. Right, yeah. And then they're like, we'll stay here with your sister and your mother and the ghosts aren't really evil off you go into the world, children. And I'm like, what? What? Anyway, I really enjoyed it. But it also, it has nothing to do with its fucking source material other than the character names and the name of the house. Yeah. Like, that's, that's it. That's kind of how I felt about uh, the most recent one. Bly Manor. Yes, I did not finish it because I was like, you know what? I'm bored. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> bored. There is not enough source material to make it into this length of a series. Like it's just. No. I actually really loved Bly Manor. Really, I I know I know it's been it's been very kind of marmite with people. People yeah. have either really liked it or really disliked it. I fucking loved it. I thought it was like it's not scary in the same way The Haunting of Hill House yeah. is. It's more of a mood piece. Yeah. You know, there's one or two scares, and that's you know with your man yeah. in the window and that kind of shit. Um, uh, do you care about spoilers? No. At the end. So I thought the fact that they dedicated 40 minutes out of a 50 minute finale to two lesbians living their cottage core life, just owning a florist and being like, more wine? Yes, please. Let's go be lesbians. I was like, sure. Yes. More of this content, please. <laughs> I was like, maybe if they'd done a bit more than that, I would have... Uh... <laughs> I, I know. Carried on watching it. Uh, yeah, I know. I actually really loved it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I know other people have have very different feelings about it. Um, yeah. yeah, much, but much like Haunting of Hill House, I think if you don't think of it as an adaptation of The Turning of the Screw, it becomes a million times yeah. better. Yeah, and I think you know what it is. Just before it came out, I had watched um a a, a movie adaptation that came out very recently. I think it's called oh. The Turn or The Turning, and it was actually filmed in Bray. Oh really? Up at um, kill, kill. I can't think of the kill name. Kill Ruddery. That's the one. Yeah, Kill Ruddery. It was filmed up in Kill Ruddery, and it's got like Finn Wolfhard, Wolfhard, Wolfhard. Yes, yeah, the one from Stranger Things. Yes, it's got him in it, and uh, they're walking across Kill Ruddery, and I'm like, I 
know that place. Um, so yeah, I had just watched that very recently and then watched that and I was just like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just a bit turn of the screw overload you're kind of. You're turned out. Yes. Mm. Um, so uh, I, okay, I have to keep looking at the name House on Haunted Hill because I keep getting mixed up with, with haunting of haunting hill, of hill house. house yeah <laughs> it's like uh... they're very easy to get mixed up to be fair i do exactly the same thing myself all the yeah. time um so like in my head i know they're very different but yes kind of <laughs> both gothic kind of haunt. anyway yeah um house on haunted hill would you uh recommend it to people fuck yes yes Fuck yeah. And and the best thing is as well is that uh, this along with a bunch of other Vincent Price vehicles are actually mm-hmm. free to watch on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a little click hole today on mm-hmm. YouTube and I found such gems as The Bat, Shock, Diary of a Madman and The Last Man on Earth. And they're just the Vincent Price ones. <laughs> yeah, YouTube is like, it is gold for their It's uh, got some old movies. A- yeah, there's a bunch of B movies, particularly in the kind of horror and thriller area, yeah. that went to, and like no production studio ever decided mm. to like renew the license on them. Yeah. So they've just become public domain, yeah. and so they're up on YouTube for you to enjoy. And some of them are legit gems. Yeah, I mean, one of the channels, uh, TCM Classic Movies, or Tra- yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, that is a great channel to follow on YouTube because they have all yeah, the classic movies. So the next film we are talking about, we are fast forwarding all the way to 2013 with James Wan's The Conjuring. Um, are you a fan? I am a fan. I also have to say, though, is that he has a lot to fucking answer for. <laughs> like, I think this movie's great. Poor James Wan. I'm angry at James Wan. I think James Wan needs to stick with making good movies and stop letting other people turn them into these sprawling cinematic universes. <laughs> <laughs> that it's all like you know saw 82 what are they going to do this time <laughs> you know quiet quiet none <laughs> yes i i love, <laughs> i do love the conjuring though i i love james one and while i am fully like the conjuring kind of universe they've got going on at the moment is a bit pants but at the same time i just i just love it I just love, even though it's really pants, I just love it. No, to be fair, like, I do really enjoy a lot of it. Like, I enjoy the Annabelle movies, yeah. even though I don't think they're very good. I did hate The Nun. I thought The Nun oh, no, was yeah, awful. The Nun we can just forget about, because that was... La Rona. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I, I think James Wan actually has a, he's a really good sense of what is genuinely spooky and yeah. scary. Like, first time I saw The Conjuring, I was spooked. It is a spooksome film. I still get spooked by The Conjuring. Yeah. Um, no, and I loved yeah. Insidious as well. Yeah, Insidious is great. I also loved, obviously, his very first kind of debut feature length, which was Saw, obviously. Um, yes. Yeah. I think the first Saw is cinematic gold. It is one of the best modern horror films. Like, let's not talk about all the sequels and sequels yeah. and whatever we've got going on at the moment. <laughs> But that first saw was absolute perfect. And I feel really bad because the other guy doesn't get nearly as much. Uh... <laughs> I know. Yeah. No, I agree. I know we were saying at the beginning that torture porn is kind of neither of our our, our bags. But um, that yeah. first saw, and even the second one, I would argue, are they're good movies. They are. Yeah. It's just when they get out of being clever and just turn to gratuitous, that's where yeah. the problem arises. So. Yeah. And obviously he did uh, Dead Silence. I don't know if you... I did Dead see Silence. that a long time ago, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. 
it's about he seems to have this like fear of dolls so obviously we've got uh, <laughs> Billy from Saw and then uh-huh. the the ventriloquist dummy from Dead Silence is called Billy also <laughs> and then we've got Annabelle so he seems to yeah. have this real thing against dolls which I kind of understand has um, he anything to do with the boy you know that one oh, I don't know. is that him hang on I'm gonna do it yeah but I, I kind of understand that because when I was younger, did you ever do this thing where you sat around with your friends and you told ghost stories and tried? Oh, yeah. So there was always this that. one about the China doll that was cursed and a little girl would have it on her shelf. And then she'd hear like this noise, like, I'm on the first step. I'm going to get you. Oh, God, yes. That, that killed me. Like that, I couldn't sleep for weeks after hearing it. That, yeah. Yeah, I remember then. that one. It was always the, do you remember like drip, drip, drip and stuff yeah. like that? They, they yeah. were always the ones that freaked me yeah. out. Like the dog, but, uh, the dog under the bed. Yeah. And then <laughs> my great aunt, she collected China dolls. And when she sadly passed away, she passed a few of them on to me. And they are in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> they are not coming out of their boxes. Um, yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I kind of understand his little. Uh, his little obsession with haunted dolls. Yeah. Um, and, and you yourself, didn't you go through a bit of a phase where you had to like find uh, the weirdest, freakiest looking dolls? Oh, I love ha- I love finding haunted dolls. People still send me pictures when they go to like charity shops and stuff and they find a freaky doll. Yeah. Um, and I, I still love finding them myself. I think it's like because I just love finding this like terrifying things and going someone owns this and loved someone bought this on purpose. <laughs> like and. <laughs> There is, I don't know, maybe there is someone out there who will remember this. Maybe I'm the only person. But my my love of creepy fucking dolls came from, there used to be on the corner of Talbot Street when you're going up to, do you know where like the lab is, the Dublin City Council Arts yeah. Lab is? Yeah. So on that corner, so when you're just going off Talbot Street, there's glass windows. It, it was re- most recently a tattoo shop. Yeah. Um, and like skatewear and stuff. Yeah. But for years and years and years, it used to be the display window that did kids clothes and this baby doll sat in the window like sitting up legs flayed you know like a baby in her little (laughs) in her little dress but like her eyes looked like they'd been burned out of her head it was the most terrifying thing and I would walk by it every single day the demon baby of Talbot Street I called her um (laughs) I was like why is this here who thought this was a good idea and I just love the idea that there are people out there who really love these things I know I kind of also love them by proxy now but I don't love them for the same reasons. Yeah, I I actually, I can't remember how I got into this rabbit hole, but I was on Etsy and I found a seller that is selling real live haunted dolls. Oh, I love these guys. They're yeah. my favorite. And it's, I love the description because it's like, this is mm-hmm. Timmy and Timmy is a 500 year old demon and Timmy <laughs> likes to scratch the floorboards. At <laughs> I know the descriptions are always the best. And it's like, you know, Julie is a nice spirit. Sometimes the doll will move. Do not be afraid. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not even like China dolls or anything. It's just like some old woolen thing that someone's obviously knitted. Actually, you know what really freaks me out? Do you remember those dolls that you could turn their faces inside out and it'd be a different face? Yes. That really freaks me out. They were so strange. Yeah. Um, But the real Annabelle was a Raggedy Ann doll. Yes. As well, because that's based on a true story. (laughs) My favorite thing about those listings though on like eBay and Etsy is there's always a disclaimer and it's like haunting, not guaranteed. The spirit may leave your doll in transit. 
Well, Which I can is... definitely see, like, you know, if there was any haunted dolls during this pandemic, they're probably like, this shit is boring as hell. I am out. Oh, my God. All they do is lie around depressed all day. <laughs> can you imagine if you ended up with a haunted doll in the middle of lockdown? You'd be fucking delighted. Like, someone new to talk to. Finally. <laughs> Finally like, some drama. <laughs> have a cup of tea. Tell me about yourself. Oh, you want to kill me? All right, well, we'll see who can get the knives first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I yeah. There's always that thing where you're like, okay, a haunted doll. How much damage is it really gonna do? <laughs> exactly. I know. I I yeah. Annabelle did a fair bit of damage. All right. <laughs> Apparently. I I just have a soft spot for James Bond. I think he has brought back the theatrics to good old haunted horror. Yeah. I think that's why I like him so much. I'm kind of glad that he didn't carry on with the whole saw kind of. Let's do another torture porn film. I'm glad that he is gone forth into good old-fashioned horror and that's exactly what the conjuring is yeah i completely agree like i remember going to see a double bill of uh, insidious and insidious 2 in the cinema and i hadn't seen either of them yet and uh i was so delighted because i was like this feels like a 70s yeah. haunted house movie i loved it yeah. um no and i i completely agree with you i think the conjuring is a great genuinely scary yeah. haunted house movie and it's like because everyone plays it so straight yeah but it really helps yeah like there's um, no no camp in this one no there's not um and I know you know a lot of people kind of naysay the jump scares and you know he does this thing where it's like really really quiet and then really really loud and you know that's but you know what it's effective and that's what you know people kind of want to go to the cinema to to do is to get scared yeah and like the thing is I think that when he's at his best he does use like quiet quiet bang yeah in the best way like you know i already discussed quite quite none not a good strategy um but like with with the conjuring like there's there are bits of it that are so genuinely creepy and scary like when she's stuck down in the basement and yeah that does go from very quiet it's very loud yeah you know i think there's legitimate criticism for that technique but the clapping yes oh that freaked me the fuck yeah. out <laughs> i watched it again last night and i still got freaked out by it so like, oh. <laughs> oh, um, no. so i wish she's coming over the wardrobe oh, yeah girl. that is the yeah i thought that was the most effective bit but, it's yeah. it's really well done yeah it is um so Sorry, the whole God. the whole back the setting of it it is actually set in the 1970s so we do get this kind of we get this kind of vintage uh what's the word aesthetic uh, yeah, vintage kind of, uh, not insomnia, because that's when you go sleep. What's the word? I've completely forgotten the word. Nostalgic. How did I get insomnia from nostalgic? Anyway, <laughs> so, um, okay. nostalgic feel, um, and it follows the real life paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are real people um, who investigate the supernatural and... Uh, Ed was a an, an exorcist, even though he is not a priest. He was like the only Catholic Church approved exorcist who wasn't a priest, apparently. Um, and there is this family who've moved into a house, and strange things start happening. So their clocks stop at exactly three oh seven. Um, there are strange noises. The girls in the bedroom feel and see things in the dark. Um, and it all gets a, a bit violent, um, as haunted houses do. 
Yeah, proper poltergeisty style. Yes. People getting flung around all over the place. Yeah, all that fun stuff. And as you said, there's the clapping. You know, they have this game where they have the clapping game where you have to like, it's almost like hide and seek. Yeah, it's sort of hide and seek, but you're also kind of, you're also blindfolded. So you clap and then people have to kind of echolocate you essentially. Yeah. And we've got the youngest one who sees a a boy called Rory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their dog dies, which is awful. It's like in the opening. Oh, I hate it. It's being introduced to this family. The minute that dog refuses to go inside that house, yeah. though, I was like, that dog dead. Yeah. Dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Um, and so through all of this, uh, the wife starts getting bruises on her skin. and She doesn't know how. So she goes and locates Ed and Lorraine and they come and help. But there's this background story of an exorcism that went wrong and Lorraine suffered for it. And so Ed is a bit don't really want to do it but i'll do it anyway and then it goes full-on uh possession film it turns from haunted house to possession so your second fave straight into your fave i think that's why i like it this film yeah. so much is that it does have my two favorite subgenres. um and i also i love so the whole thing spoiler warning although i'm pretty sure everyone's seen the conjuring at this point you know you're listening to this podcast i mean yeah probably um there is the witch bathsheba who mm. sacrificed her seven-day-old child and then cursed everybody who took over her land. And there are several reenactments of what happened. So there was like a, a woman who killed her child and then there was a maid that killed herself. And so anyway, Bathsheba possesses the wife and there is that whole exorcism scene as well. And then that's it basically yeah <laughs> they all lived happily ever after yeah um. <laughs> and then in the background of this we've got uh ed and lorraine uh their house and the uh the museum of weirdness where they keep all their uh possessed objects as well that is also kind of like a side and annabelle as well so there's it's- actually a lot of threads <clears throat> in this film there are yeah, yeah. That, that museum actually is real mm. um and unfortunately um <clears throat> so Lorraine died the real life Lorraine mm-hmm. um she died in 2018 I think or 2019 very recent yeah very fairly recent um Ed had died about a decade or so yeah. beforehand um and so it was still open but now it's kind of up in the air and I'm raging because like bucket list yeah go there I want to see the real life Annabelle yeah. um yeah, and as we said, like the real life Annabelle is a raggedy doll, whereas the one in the film is obviously a lot scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of it starts off with the Annabelle story, doesn't it? Yeah, which seems very unrelated. I suppose yeah. it's, it's it's I think to give context to Ed and Lorraine yeah. um, as your sort of semi protagonists, so it kind yeah. of switches view to them, and then the um, uh, what's the family's name again? Sorry, instantly from <laughs> the Perron family. The, yes yeah, yeah the parent family um so it switches back and forth so but I remember we were we were re-watching it while I was re-watching it and uh my partner was watching it for the first time he was like is this the same movie are we just watching Annabelle by accident at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you kind of like especially when it first came out before you'd even seen it there was this whole Annabelle thing it was all about Annabelle and then when you watch The Conjuring Annabelle's only at the start and then she has like a slight bit in the middle. With She's the, got a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of set up as the main. 
yeah, it it does make you wonder, did James Wan have this wider cinematic universe idea yeah. in his head when he was putting it all together? Because there are a lot of things set up that they pick up on in later yeah. movies, be they the Annabelle ones or the Conjuring 2 or mm-hmm. whatever, which is a big gamble considering, I mean, obviously he'd already done very well with the yeah. Saw movies and Insidious, but like there was no guarantee this was yeah. going to be yeah. well received. Now, yeah, it's it a was. great movie it, and it was. <laughs> gross nearly 500 million dollars worldwide wow that's amazing for a horror yeah Yeah. and a pure horror as well not like a no yeah (laughs) not a highbrow smart horror no not even no i don't mean that but like you know a lot of the the horror movies that tend to be kind of like the big money makers tend to be a bit more kind of crossover genre yes like science of the lambs and exactly or alien yeah yeah which actually there's a good haunted house movie alien it's set in space yeah, yeah, yeah. Aliens a ghost. It's space. It's same structure, <laughs> just you know, different words. That's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, the, yeah, the setup at the beginning is is interesting, and yeah, obviously it's brought back with Annabelle later in the in the film. But uh, yeah, their uh, creepy museum is uh, wonderfully shot in in all the movies actually. Like it's yeah. the same throughout them, and it's very cool space. It's a very nice set that they've created. Like aesthetically, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. So the Ed and Lorraine Warren, they are played by uh, Vera Famiga. And then obviously Ed is played by Patrick Wilson, who is mm-hmm. obviously also in Insidious as yes, well. Yeah. Um, and I love their relationship. I love the way they portray, like you almost believe that they are actually husband and wife. In real, they're just, There's something so sweet about them and so pure. Yeah. I think I just yeah. have a crush on Patrick Wilson. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah. I am. I have a crush on both of them. No, it's it's really great. And like, I tend to get like, they're quite pious. They're both um, very, uh, stri- not strict, but they're very uh, religious Catholics yeah. in the film and in real life. Um, and I always thought that was going to turn me off because I think yeah, like so. a lot of Irish people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any sort of like very religious mm. characters tend to kind of rub you up the wrong way. Yeah. But no, they're, they're played really, really well. Like they're never overly pious or preachy. It's just kind of, a to- it's almost just portrayed as a tool, which I think was a yeah. really smart way to go. Like mm-hmm. whether that's the case in real life or not, yeah, who knows, but yeah, um, it's, it's played well. And yeah, you're right. Like they have a wonderful chemistry and no matter the quality of the movie that they're in, because mm-hmm. they're in, are they in all of the Conjuring Verse movies? You know what? I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> they're I definitely know. in a chunk of them. Yes. Um, obviously in the two Conjuring. They're in the two obviously. Conjuring films. They're definitely in Annabelle 2 and yes. a little bit in the first Annabelle as well. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't be able to tell you a thing about the nun. No. blocked it all out yeah. um but no they have they have great chemistry and yeah. regardless of the quality of film around them they always produce excellent performances like they really ground the films that yeah. they're in um and what do you think of his recasting as patrick wilson in both insidious and the conjuring do you feel it kind of takes away from the believability of the characters almost no, I don't think so. I mean, I think he does a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, no. I'm happy he's in, you know, yeah. two universes. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> it's like double pack. But then I read that they're meant to be in the same universe as well. So are they? That would, Apparently. you see, I didn't realize that. So I would have thought of them as, as distinctly different universes. Yeah. No, I mean, I like, 
you know, I suppose in the same way, like, you know, going back to the earlier film, like William Castle worked with Vincent Price a lot. I don't think there's any harm in playing to an actor's strengths. He clearly yeah. works well in that, that context. He's able to yeah. give, I think Patrick Wilson is able to talk about bananas nonsense and make it seem believable <laughs> and like really seriously concerning. Um, and that is a skill. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you find someone like that and you want to make a haunted house movie, you want someone yeah. who's going to be able to, give what your characters are saying some believability yeah. and that's what he's got so yeah absolutely I it, it doesn't bother me I, I think yeah yeah no it doesn't bother me at all yeah no I'm, I'm happy with it it's fine <laughs> um so The Conjuring 2 mm. let's touch briefly on it because obviously you know it's a continuation of the Ed and Lorraine Warren story what did you think of The Conjuring 2 because again, it's a haunted house, basically. It is, yeah. It is another haunted house movie. I mean, it's not as good, yeah. Quite frankly, <laughs> um, which is a shame, I think, because it's there. I don't think that just because you're playing the same, you're doing the same tricks, means that they don't have to be as effective. Yeah. I don't know what it was like. Whether the uh, yeah, it just some of the atmosphere just went out of it for me, and I don't know okay. why that is. No, it's not bad. Yeah by any standards but I, I don't hold it in the same regard as the conjuring two yeah. or conjuring one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely think that the conjuring one because it was such a traditional ghost haunted house story and then it kind of it played on our basic fears of mm. the darkness of the unknown um whereas the conjuring two it was just a bit I don't know. I think maybe because I knew all about the actual case, the the obviously the Enfield poltergeist. Case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Enfield thing. I don't think Ed and Lorraine Warren had anything to do with it. I actually don't know because they mentioned the Amityville haunting at the end yes. of The Conjuring, which they did have an involvement in, yeah. even though obviously everyone knows mm. it's subsequently a hoax. Yeah. Um, so it, it does seem like a strange choice to go with a, a famous haunting that they weren't involved in. Yes. But um, I don't, do you think maybe, like one of the great things about The Haunting is it, or The Haunting, The Conjuring, <laughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> is that it takes them a while to to let their monsters out of the closet, if you will. Yes. Like you don't see anything really, a couple of flashes here and there, but you don't see anything for ages. And one of my favorite bits is when the, the daughters are in their bedroom and one of them is like, I could, you know, someone's standing yeah. behind the door. There's nothing there. Yeah like in the scene yeah. but she, you know that she is seeing something yeah. and that's way scarier than having a monster standing yeah. in the corner Absolutely. and I think maybe that's something with Conjuring too. is they kind of like you can see a lot more of what's happening much earlier yeah, yeah. and like that's when it gets you know the minute that that, that Bathsheba comes over the wardrobe yeah it gets less scary from that moment yeah. on because you've seen the monster yeah I mean you know what you're looking for yeah it's definitely that thing of what you can't see scares you more than oh, yeah it. definitely yeah. um so obviously there is going to be a new Conjuring film, hopefully out this year. Um, mm. And it is based on, I can't remember, but it's based on, a, a, <laughs> again, a true life story that this guy murdered a bunch of people and said that it was a demon. Seems legit. <laughs> um, where do you think they can go from there? Like, do you think that this is going to be just the same old crap that, you know, they're going to, keep pumping out or do you think that it can evolve into you know make a good strong trilogy we all know that trilogies are you know they're mm, not always they're tricky, yeah yeah um 
yeah and like look conjuring to difficult second album it's a, it's a you know yeah i think if they're smart and they strip it back to basics mm-hmm. you know like no one is expecting a haunted house story to be anything other than a haunted house story like yeah. the conjuring doesn't do anything new it just does everything old really well yeah. And so if they can get it back to that, like strong performances, good atmosphere, good character design, because yeah. like that Bathsheba, bloody hell. Yeah, that scared the living daylights out of me. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, just building good atmosphere. It's like if you have characters that are legitimately scared, then you will have an audience that is legitimately yeah. scared. Yeah. And I think that's really key to it. But if they're just going to go with like, quite quite bang because they know that it's going to make everyone jump then yeah yeah I definitely uh, agree with you on the character design I mean obviously in the first one we had Bathsheba mm-hmm. um the second one it was a bit all over the place I mean obviously we had the nun and she was the standout character for the second one even though she's not really the main no problem within the house but she was very striking visually and people kind of hooked onto that obviously because we got a whole backstory that was pointless. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) we will not talk about that pox on this. uh, Yes. That damn nun. Whereas with The Conjuring 2, we had obviously the old guy who was the ghost. And then we had, what was the name of the twisty twisty turvy guy? I can't remember. I I genuinely can't. I was just thinking about it there. I was thinking about it and I was like, is there a rhyme that goes that it was like, there is a a crooked man who lives there in is a crooked, crooked man world. who lives in a crooked house yeah, yeah that's yeah is that's that, definitely so, a thing so they had that character in it and it was like but why yeah <laughs> i mean and i suppose that was do you know what what i suppose the, the real crux the issue with conjuring 2 is is that they did have all those random things but yeah. because conjuring, the conjuring the original had such a strong central storyline you knew yeah. why every all those different characters mm-hmm. those different ghosts were there and you know like you were slowly peeling back the layers on the story yeah. of the house and the fact that there wasn't just this one big scary ghost there was multiple other ghosts yeah. that were operating with their own agendas and stuff like that whereas when you get to two they just kind of threw a bunch of stuff together and it didn't really make sense and you're like well exactly as you just said why yeah. um which worked in annabelle yes a bit more and Annabelle yeah. too because they were a bit more fun and schlocky yeah they were just you know they were they were just going for kind of mainstream appeal and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that yeah. but you're doing one or the other mm. you're either telling a, like a, a very specific story or you're going for loads of ghosts loads of scares <laughs> yeah um so The Conjuring would you recommend it to people oh yeah definitely yeah yeah and what, uh, out, what out certain out. elements through your fingers yeah I mean I think it's great for horror fans because, as we said, it is a good nostalgia ghost story. Mm-hmm. But it's also good for people that just want to have a good scare. You know, like if you're taking a date to watch a movie, <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of good. I keep saying like you go to the cinema, but there is no such thing as cinemas anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, get on Zoom together and share your screen. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I would, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's a great film. Uh, like, yeah. you know, regardless of, uh, you know, the many things that have followed, like, it's really well made and very entertaining. Yeah. Um, and so out of the two films, which one would you recommend over the other? 
over the other. They're so different. I know, but there has to be one. It's the rules. <laughs> I, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I, I think, and this is not a, a genuine preference. This is just, I think more people would enjoy House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Because I think that can be enjoyed by horror and non-horror fans alike. Yeah. Whereas I think The Conjuring is like, if you do not like horror, you are not going to enjoy that film. Yeah. I mean, I The Conjuring is probably one of my favourite modern films. Like, yeah. I, I adore it. But I, I'm kind of in agreement. I think The House on Haunted Hill is just so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just good fun. You know, yeah. and I think... I, I think it's important to have fun. <laughs> it's exactly the recommendation you're looking for in a horror podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Good fun. It's good old-fashioned campy fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, coming to the end of this, what do you think is the future for haunted house horror? Do you think there is a future? I definitely think it's been exhausted. Is. No, goodness no. People will still keep telling these stories because these are the stories that we tell each other as kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you're going to go stay in a castle, what are you going to look up? The it's ghosts. History, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's like, there. I, I don't think that there's going to be like a massive amount of innovation in the yeah. haunted house genre, but I still think there's room for great stories to be told. I mean, even if you look at, like we were talking about Ari Aster earlier, um, Hereditary, or as I like to call it, her head hit a tree. Um, <laughs> they did steal. I can't actually take any credit for it. Um, you know, like that is also a haunted house movie for a good chunk of it, at least. Mm. You know, it's it, it's telling a different story from that point of view. So yeah, I, I like. I think there's going to still be really enjoyable haunted house movies to come. Yeah, I, w- I will always go and see them anyway if they yeah. come out. <laughs> I think as long as people are still scared of the dark scared scared of the unknown um things that go bump in the night you know it's something that we're all kind of base level scared of like even when we think about the conjuring you know a lot of the scares are very you know how to you know she's looking <laughs> under the bed what's under the bed there's something behind the door but it's all things that we've done like oh yeah you know you look under the bed you're like oh my god what if there was something underneath here like did you ever <laughs> yeah I know. did you ever used to do that thing when you were little where you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you would uh jump from your bed so you're like a foot away <laughs> so nothing could like reach out and grab you was that just me i'm just crazy okay no that was i i don't remember ever doing that um i had a thing though that i like i couldn't once I put a blanket over my head, I couldn't come out until the morning because if I popped my head over the blanket, there'd definitely be something there. They'd definitely get you because that's how yeah. the jump scares work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think as long as people are still afraid of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think the, I think those fears are always going to be there. And yeah, yeah those stories are always going to be told. Yeah, and even as an adult, like there's times where I say I'll be walking home after a show, obviously not recently. Um, <laughs> And I'll be walking past a house and I'll just, you know, you glance at the window and I just think if I saw a figure there, like I would run faster than fucking Usain Bolt. Like, you know, I'd yeah. be gone out of the place. It's Here's just a question. That, okay. Have you ever stayed in a haunted house or a house that you thought was haunted at the um, time? I, I, like yourself, had a massive massive imagination as a child and I was a complete scaredy cat and we stayed in a cottage um 
I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you where, somewhere in Ireland. And I was convinced that there was a woman there that used to go up and down the hall. I was absolutely convinced. And there was like this painting at the end of the hall that looked a bit shifty. And I was just like, there's definitely something. He keeps following me with those eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I actually, I saw a ghost in Forbidden Planet, which is a comic book shop in Dublin. Mm-hmm. I am convinced. So, you know, downstairs, they have the downstairs bit, don't they? Yeah. So I was convinced. I used to I was... work in Forbidden Planet. Did you? Yeah. Way oh, back when. Way back when. Oh, my God. But you... so, you know, downstairs, right? Yeah. So I was convinced that someone walked like past the back wall. And it looked as if they'd gone like into a room behind. Mm-hmm. And then when I went down there, there's no room there. It's just back wall. And that really freaked me out. And I was like, I, there's definitely ghosts there. I'm not going to bother asking you about this on, on recording, but I will ask you for more details because there is a back room down there. <laughs> there is. And I've been in it. All right. Okay, but yeah, yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't that way. It was okay. the other way. I see. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so I'm convinced Forbidden Planet's haunted. <laughs> I never I never encountered any spooks while I was there, but I did work in um, the Pierce Centre, which was the house where Paul Rick Pierce was born. Okay. And I was a stage manager there for a site-specific play. Yeah. And I would be in there, so I would be the first one in the last one out. Yeah. Stage manager life. Um, and I would be in there by myself, and I used to hear furniture moving, yeah on the upper floors I know there was no one else in there now these are terraced houses so (laughs) the likelihood is it just came from like next door yeah but it sounded like it was right above my head and at the time I was super tired and super stressed out so in my head I was like I'm just sharing this house with some ghosts (laughs) (laughs) do you believe in ghosts I believe that people have seen ghosts. I don't know what those are. I don't think they're like spirits mm-hmm. of dead people. I genuinely yeah. don't. But I do believe that people have like seen things. I don't think they're just necessarily like hallucinating completely. Yeah. I think I'm more of the the kind of Japanese law of, you know, places can kind of take on emotions and feelings from, you know, great events that have happened there. You know, it's like when you walk into a place and you know something awful has happened there yeah I think I feel kind of the same like I don't yeah I don't believe that like people stay on I think that's actually a really yeah. depressing thought it's like if you dig down it's like yeah. I mean imagine if you're just like in your house and you're wearing the worst pajamas and jogging pants and then you die and that's it <laughs> that's your that is your haunting outfit like no I want to be wearing my Catherine Delish robe <laughs> like but like you know that if goes to real, that would be the majority of them. It would yeah. be people in like their house coats and their slippers going, "Please talk to me. I've been stuck here for eighty five years. <laughs> I just want to chat." Or we're like, "Will you change the channel? I hate this yeah. show." Like that's what ghosts would be if they were yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are people talk about are way too dramatic. Yeah. They're just you know absolute drama queens. That <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, will you just calm down? <laughs> settle down there (laughs) exactly yeah I think yeah I think I'm just of the opinion that places can kind of hold on to feelings and that is Mm -hmm. haunting rather than I mean obviously it's kind of weird because Ireland has such a great kind of folklore and history when it comes to ghosts and hauntings and you know all this kind of stuff but yeah I just believe that a lot of it is kind of folklore yeah no I think you're right and like uh 
yeah I mean I think everyone has a story of something that they have seen that mm-hmm. is technically unexplained mm-hmm. you know I definitely have more than one but I, no, I don't think they're ghosts but I do think that they're like you know I don't think that they just I just made those things up in my head yeah. either so you know and those things take on lore of their own mm-hmm. yeah um so just to finish off uh what is your favorite horror all right I've been thinking about this okay um <laughs> how can I say two because they're yes, very different yes. in tone so uh my probably my actual favorite is yeah. evil dead 2 okay you're the because... second person to actually say that yeah really yeah, yeah, yeah just... Giblin. yeah oh yeah um well yeah I mean obviously as we, we talked about my uh my evil yeah. dead number um yeah I just think it's so fun and schlocky and funny mm-hmm. and I just enjoy it every time but I also think about uh movies that have really stayed with me for mm-hmm. a long time and probably one of the ones that did that the most is Babadook okay I think that's I, I know again a lot of people don't like it but like yeah. that movie stayed with me yeah for months and months and months after yeah. I saw it the first time I mean um I did an episode with Ashton Clark the Irish director mm-hmm. and it was parenthood that was the theme and I chose the Babadook as mine and I think I didn't appreciate it before I had a child and then when I had a child I was like oh my god like apart from the whole like grief bit I was like this is my life I think if I had a kid I'm not sure I'd be able to fucking watch it like <laughs> it's really like traumatizing when you kind of you have a child and especially when you've gone through like postnatal and you're watching the babadook and it's just like like this is my life you know that kind of way and it speaks to me on so many levels yeah i like essie davis just that performance is something that will stay with me for fucking ever i think like her rawness in that performance is incredible and it's just i think it's a really amazing piece of work yeah and also, I just love the fact that the Babadook has become like this gay icon. I know. Like... Queer icon Babadook. <laughs> Happy Pride. Baba. Um, but yes, uh, that it is one of the greatest modern horror films, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, just not just storyline, but also the design of the Babadook as well. I just think it's so oh, pretty. It's, it's so beautiful. Like that, the, the book that he's yeah. in. Um, and those like illustrations and stuff yeah. like that. I think it's, yeah, it it haunts me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, usually I say like, what have you got coming up? Would you like to plug anything? Um, you- well, I'd like to plug my own podcast, if it. I may. Uh, yeah. yeah, so um, uh, our podcast is called Giving Me Life. We um, are bi-monthly or bi-weekly, depending on which way you decide to use those terms. <laughs> Every two weeks we have a um we have an episode and uh we will be having your lovely self on as soon as we're allowed to have you in the same room so we can yeah. feed you some booze and get you your uh opinions on yes. pop culture at large i would like to be fed the blue wine what is it called gick gick well we have so many bottles of gick left over so you can definitely have some gick <laughs> except it would literally be like the exorcist like except not green it would be like oh, spewing listen you'll, you'll have like a glass and then be like you know what i'm fine <laughs> because it's so sugary it's vile Uh, yeah if you're interested in finding out about blue wine um and also our opinions on everything Mm -hmm. from youtube channels to cartoons to movies uh check out our podcast (laughs) um yeah i don't really have anything else to plug at the moment maybe follow undercurrent if you're based in in ireland so that when we're finally allowed to have shows again you can say hi yes and also if you're of the the vintage persuasion we do have um the the vintage weekender the Irish, Irish Vintage, vintage Weekend. Yeah, yeah. 
You created it. I did. <laughs> you know what? Like, just for anyone who's not actually watching us, me and Ruby are drinking at the same time. Oh, we time. are. I'm sure you noticed somewhere around halfway <laughs> when we started babbling a lot more. <laughs> Going on mad tangents. Yeah. Um, so I've had two double Jack Daniels. Um, uh, we drink every episode of Giving Me Life, so this is what they're all like. So, uh, you know, it's, it's something you enjoy. <laughs> you enjoy drink, uh, drinking and chatting yeah. about everything. Um, so, yes. And also, if you're of the vintage persuasion, Irish vintage weekender, we don't know what we're doing this year because no, who knows we're, what they're doing this year. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. Like, yeah. you know, we're all just figuring things out as we go. Yeah, exactly. No. Um, so yeah, that's it. Thank you very much for coming on and drinking with me. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. So that was my chat there with Ruby Noir about uh, two haunted house films. So that was 1959's William Castle directed House on a Haunted Hill starring Vincent Price and Spooky Lady on Roller Skates and uh, 2013's The Conjuring directed by James Wan starring Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga um, as Ed and Lorraine Warren. So I hope you enjoyed it this week. Um, if you have any thoughts on the haunted house genre, if you think there are two better films out there that um, embody the haunted house please let us know on our instagram and facebook at what a screen podcast um or you can email us what at blah, 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 or you can email us um what a screen podcast at gmail.com and you can also find us on letterbox where you can keep up to date with what films we have previously discussed and what films we will be discussing in the future on the podcast um so as always i hope you are keeping safe and you are looking after yourself and taking some time for some self-care and um staying horrific so goodbye Shouldn't be scared of the money Shouldn't be scared of Frankenstein's monster You should be scared